0: Ladies and gentlemen, we have here the OJ's living for the weekend. I hope you enjoy it. Have you done ballet before? I used to be a stripper. Did you really get it? <laughs>
1: no telling where I might end up. You might see me on the east side, the west side, I'm even going across the bridge, oh, cause I, cause I, cause I, hear they really get down over there, go to myself. So right now, I'm a uh, rock. the way.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that's the OJ's living for the weekend. Okay, thank you for listening, and good night. Ladies and gentlemen, I have here a few guests that I want to include into this podcast, but I have to do some editing first, and um, we have to make sure we have it clean on Mr. Clean. All right, let's start.
2: The like monkey said, motherfucker, can't you see why you standing on my goddamn feet? Right on. The lion said, I ain't heard a word you said. Said, if you say three more, I'll be stepping on your motherfucking head. Know, right, <laughs> now the monkey lived right. in the jungle in an old oak tree. Bullshitting the line every day in the week. But Every day before the sun go down, the lion would kick his ass all through the jungle town. <laughs> But the monkey got wise and started using his wit. Said, I'm gonna put a stop to this old ass-kicking shit. So he ran up on the lawn the very next day. Said, oh, Mr. Lion, there's a big bad motherfucker coming your way. And when you meet, it's gonna be a goddamn scene. And wherever you meet, some ass is bound to be. That he's somebody that you don't know because he just broke a loose from Ringling Brothers' show. He said, baby, he talked about your people in a hell of a way. He talked about your people till my hair turned gray. He said, your daddy's a freak and your mama's a whore. He said, he spotted you running through the jungle selling assholes from door to door. He said, your sister did this damn street. She got down so low and sucked the earthworms, did he said he spotted your niece behind the tree screwing a motherfucking feet. He said he saw your aunt sitting on the fence giving a goddamn zebra wrench. Then he talked about your mommy and your sister Luke. Then he stopped talking about how good your grandma screwed said your sister's a prostitute and your brother's a punk and that i damn if you don't eat all the pussy you see every time you get drunk. He said he torn your uncle and fuck your
0: Amy and your niece. Oh boy, that is too, that, that is too explicit.
3: David K. Johnson, a book called The Making of Donald Trump is your latest, and you say in the book that in the spring of 2016, you talked to Mr. Trump on the phone. What was that about? Well, I was writing a piece for Politico
4: magazine about all of Donald's connections to a very major drug trafficker who supplied him with his helicopters, to <coughs> uh, con artists, swindlers, American mafia, Russian mobsters. And uh, Donald had sent an email by me asking if he wanted to comment with about 20 points, and he called me. And the essence of the conversation was, you know, you wrote a lot of things I like, Dave, but... Uh, if I don't like what you write, I'm going to sue you. Uh, I, from covering the Santa Cruz City Council in California 50 years ago to today, it's the only politician who's ever threatened to sue me unless I write what he wants. And I said, well, Donald, you're a public figure. That means he would have to prove I deliberately lied and knew it. And he goes, I know I'm a public figure. I'll sue you anyway. And I think this is indicative of Donald's character and his authoritarian approach.
3: You do it the way I want it, or I will make life difficult for you. What what do you remember reacting to when he said that? What what was your... People threatened to sue me a lot of times. Um, It just goes with the job. 1988 in Atlantic City, you say you met him for the first time. What were the circumstances?
4: Well, I had left the Los Angeles Times, uh, where I'd spent 12 years, to go to Atlantic City for the Philadelphia Inquirer. I believed we were going to see casino gaming spread all across America, which it did. And I wanted to examine whether government really could clean up this business that was traditionally run by uh, vice lords and crooks. And within a couple of days, I met Donald. I immediately recognized Brian that he's P.T. Barnum. He's selling you tickets to the Fiji Mermaid and the amazing two-headed woman. And then I started, because he was the dominant force in Atlantic City, I started asking about him and his competitors, including Steve Wynn, and uh, people who worked for him. And some big gamblers all said to me, Donald doesn't know anything about the casino business. Oh, come on. How can he not know anything about the casino business? They said that all he knows is how to sh- extract money from the casino. He doesn't know how to manage customers. He doesn't know how to reinvest in the properties. He doesn't know how to develop customers, etc. So Donald and I had a cup of coffee not long after that. And I asked him a question about craps. And I deliberately made a false statement. And Donald immediately incorporated my falsehood into his answer. What's what con artists do? That's what the the psychics advertised on daytime TV. So I had a couple more questions that I asked him where I made false statements, and he immediately embraced them. And I realized that what I was being told was true. Donald doesn't know anything. It's all bluster. It's all appearance. It's all threats. Uh, He's quick. He's smart. But he's not at all studious or deep. And in the book, I quote testimony where he gives answers to questions. Uh, One of them, my students at Syracuse University who are law, third-year law and graduate business students, at the end of my course can answer the question like this. Anyone who's been to the Wharton Business School can answer like this. Donald's answer is gibberish. He doesn't understand the most basic issues of finance. And listen to how he answers questions. You know, you ask him, what's your favorite uh, Bible verse? Because he says, no one reads the Bible more than Donald Trump. And he goes, there's so many. There's so many. You know, there's just so many.
0: (laughs)
3: Back in 1968, he appeared on the Oprah show. In 88, 68. 68, that just shows you my age. Back in 88, 28 years ago, what right. do you think? Well, first of all, that was the year he asked George
4: H.W. Bush to make him his running mate as vice president, and instead Dan Quayle got the job. Donald has been talking about running for president since 1985, and 12 years later, in 2000, he ran, and he said, I'm going to be the first person to run for president and make a profit. So this is indicative of Donald. Donald will tell you whatever he thinks is in his interest at the moment. That's what con artists do. They tell you whatever's in their interest, whatever they think you want to hear and what will get you to do whatever it is they want.
3: What are your own politics?
4: Well, I'm a registered Republican. Before that, I was registered in the Tom Galasanos party in New York, but I'm not a political person. I voted for people on every line that's ever appeared on a ballot I'm on for different offices. I don't like politics. This is one of only two campaigns in the last 40 years I've covered. I did for the LA Times, the governor's race in 1976 in Nevada and hated covering it. I don't like covering politics. I'm a policy guy. Um, I am uh, someone who believes that we should be using the government for the purposes, the six noble purposes in the preamble, to establish justice, promote the general welfare. Um, and, in fact, I'm I'm developing, I hope, a new course to teach at the Syracuse, which is how we got the
3: Constitution and what it's about in context. You say in the book that uh, the Trump family really haven't been voters.
4: Yes. Uh, interestingly, two of Donald's children did not get to vote for him because they hadn't registered as Republicans, and they then complained about the rules. Well, New York has archaic, awful, terrible election rules, but they should have known this. and. They're the ones who are responsible for doing this. Uh, Donald hasn't voted in a bunch of elections. And by the way, Donald, until very recently, was basically a Democrat. And one of the things Donald believes in, which is a good thing in my view, is universal health care. We should get health care off the backs of business. And it should be, as he says, a public good provided to everybody. That's certainly not a Republican Party position. Give us some uh, background on yourself. Uh, Where did you grow up? Um, I was born in San Francisco. I consider home to be Santa Cruz, California. Um, My father was a 100% disabled veteran of World War II. My mother was a disowned heiress, and I had the odd experience of growing up in a house on a cliff over the beach that my parents rented for maybe $400 a month in today's money. Nothing. What do you mean by disowned heiress? She testified against her father in a lawsuit in 1941 uh, when he was sued for alienation of affection and his only child my mother was disowned and he was a very wealthy man and uh... so i went to work when i was ten years old i went to work full-time at thirteen i became a reporter for some weekly papers at seventeen and my work immediately got noticed because i did some simple things uh, if the uh, school board said uh... The average owner, the owner of the average $34,314 house in Santa Cruz, next year will pay $42.11 more in property taxes. I thought that was useless. So with long division, I said you'll pay so much more per thousand in the value of your house. At 18, the San Jose Mercury recruited me. At 19, I was writing front page stories, and the uh, San Jose Mercury is a staff writer. And I went to the Detroit, I went to the University of Chicago Graduate School of Economics as a fellow for two quarters. To the Detroit Free Press, the LA Times, Philadelphia Inquirer, the New York Times. And then just short of 40 years of daily reporting, I left. And since then, I've been a columnist and an author and teaching at Syracuse University in the College of Law. But live in Rochester. live in Rochester. My wife runs the very successful community foundation there. And in Rochester, New York, we have the best child care in all of the United States, Canada, and Western Europe. And it costs this much more than warehousing kids.
3: Very smart program that she's intimately involved in. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Donald Trump went to Tampa to give a speech. And when he got there, this video, which was not <clears throat> done by him, of course, it was done by the folks that are opposed to him, played. On, it's about 50 seconds. See if you, what you think. So, what's that all about? Well, Donald Trump had someone come to him with what was a very good business
4: idea. Uh, the man was in the business of running continuing professional education. Lawyers, accountants, real estate agents have to go to courses to make sure they're up on the law. And he went to Trump and said, hey, why don't we do Trump real estate professional education? and charge a premium price. Well, that's a brilliant business idea. And Donald said, that's such a good idea. I'm taking it away from you. He gave the guy a little tiny stake. I think it was 3% and a quarter million dollar salary. And they decided then to turn into Trump <laughs> University. Well, first of all, you can't call something a university without a license from the state. And that's true in, I believe, every state in the union, but every state I've checked, it is. Uh, Secondly, this was not a university in even the dictionary meaning of the word. And uh, Trump University quickly came under investigation as a scam. Uh, People paid $1,500, and what they got for that were high-pressure sales tactics where the faculty would stand over them and tell them how to call banks and borrow more money on credit cards so they could pay $35,000 to get the full Trump University package. Donald did a promotional video. Trump University is all about success. You're going to have success. We're going to have the best faculty and adjunct faculty. They will be hand-picked by me, the best of the very best. You'll get a better education than at the best business schools, and I know because I went to the best one. He didn't, by the way. He went to the undergraduate program award and not its graduate program. Well, it turned out that the faculty uh, knew nothing about real estate. They included the manager of a fast food joint, two people in personal bankruptcy, and a lot of people with experience, Brian, in high-pressure sales tactics as with getting people to run up their debts. And by the way, if you run up your debt and borrowed as much as the banks possibly give you to pay for the Trump University, how would you have any borrowing capacity to buy real estate? So the New York State Attorney General brought a lawsuit over this, uh, Donald was uh, told to stop using the word university. He ignored it for several years. Um, the Texas Attorney General's office did an investigation, and Pam Bondi, the Attorney General of Florida, uh, said publicly she was thinking about joining the New York investigation. She and Donald had some kind of communication. Uh, they also the the Trump. Donald J. Trump Charitable Foundation then made a campaign contribution to Pam Bondi. Now, charitable foundations cannot be involved in political activity. This should cause the revocation of their status as a nonprofit. The Bondi campaign manager was asked about this, and the Florida newspapers reported that we're perfectly comfortable with the gift from the Donald J. Trump Foundation, which is astonishing. Uh, Pam Bondi's a lawyer. She knows better than this. She also decided not to participate in the New York Attorney General's investigation. And (laughs) uh, this ad, which is pretty brutal, uh, is about, fundamentally, Pam Bondi. It's about the Attorney General who accepted this gift. And by the way, the Trump uh, people tried to cover this up. They argued, and I explain in my book, that it was money to go to a particular group, an anti-abortion group uh, that teaches people how to uh, protest uh, against our current abortion laws. They didn't get any money. Then they said it was this outfit in California. They didn't get any money. And they said, well, it was just a mistake. Well, if it's a mistake, Pam Pambani should have given it back and they should have directed the money to the organ- other organizations. They haven't done any of that. And it goes to a core issue about Donald. Donald has no regard for whatever the law is. He does what he wants to do. Has he ever been sued? Oh, he's been sued, according to USA Today, more than 4,500 times. He's been sued by workers he wouldn't pay, and there's a chapter in my book about that. He's been sued by vendors, and he's been sued by investors who say they've been swindled. Um, uh, Right now, and this happened after I finished the book, uh, a Benjamin Moore paint dealer who supplied paint for the remake of the Dural Country Club that Donald owes wasn't paid the last $34,000 and do a little business like that $34,000 a big hunk of their year's profits he sued he spent over $300,000 on legal fees trying to collect his 34,000 and a judge finally granted this Benjamin Moore paint dealer the power to foreclose on the Dural after Donald Trump's witness testified about why didn't you pay the 34,000 your contract said you had to Mr. Trump feels he has paid enough and Donald does this all the time. He'll take the work you do for him, he'll use it, and then he'll say, oh, I'm not going to use it, it's crap. I'm not going to pay you for it. And if you go to a lawyer and it's $34,000 or even $100, they will tell you, you're going to spend $300,000 on lawyers to fight Trump? And he's done this again and again and again and again and again.
3: This book was published by
4: what publisher? Melville House Press, which is a little outfit in Brooklyn and in London that do something. When I did my very first book, which you interviewed me about, Temples of Chance back in 1992, um, uh, I complained back then that my publisher was doing everything on paper and they were slow and they are efficient. I said, somebody needs to make this modern and quick and modernize the book business. These folks did it. Wikipedia says it's a liberal publishing operation. I, You know, liberal, conservative, I don't care. I mean, I don't pay any attention to the politics of the people I work for. Uh, You know, when I was at the L.A. Times, they ran editorials sometimes that basically said, don't believe what that guy wrote. (laughs) Um, I I mean, I don't care. I tell the people I'm writing for what I'm going to write, even when I was a reporter. They never tell me, unless, if it's breaking news, you know, airplane crash, we need you to be a rewrite man. And I would do that. I tell them what I'm going to do, and I've always done that. And and
3: if you do that, of course, eventually you wear out your welcome wherever you work. (laughs) Where did you get the idea to do this book and when?
4: Well, uh, Temples of Chance, I think all, all but one chapter has some reference to Trump in it because he was so dominant in Atlantic City. When Donald announced on June 16, 2015, he was running, I got a hold of my literary agent right away and said, we should do a book. She called around and everybody said, he's not going to get the nomination. And I said, yes, he might get the nomination. He's serious this time. And, uh, and I was particularly charged up by the fact that here he is, giving this speech, talking about murderers and rapists from Mexico, denouncing Muslims, and there are all these young people applauding these lines, and I thought, Midtown Manhattan is not a place known for racism and xenophobia. What did he do? Are these employees, or did he uh, bus people in, where did he get this crowd? Well, day or two later, The Hollywood Reporter revealed that they were actors, paid 50 bucks each to show up and, and applaud on cue, which tells you what a fraud uh, Donald Trump is. and. Anyhow, nobody wanted to do a book. By the time it became clear he might get the nomination for traditional publishers who need about a year, it was too late. And I had just given up on the idea. I wrote about 25 pieces about Donald for USA Today, Newsweek, National Memo, some other places. Many of them aimed at reporters trying to say, this is what you should be asking. This is what you should be questioning. And then Melville House calls out of the blue and they ask, could we do the book in, I think it was three weeks. And I said, No. But I said I can do it by a date that was uh, four weeks later. I wrote that book in 27 days. It was hell, and I'm frankly not sure I've physically recovered at my age from doing it. I'm certainly never going to do it again, but 27
3: days. Because we're in the middle of the campaign, 27 days, it was finished, what day was that? And Well, the, my, my uh, uh, closing note, the epilogue is dated the 4th of July.
4: I actually finished the book the 5th of July. We finished editing it the 10th of July, and there's a picture on my Facebook page of me sitting in my garden reading the book on the 19th of July, two weeks later, and it went on sale August 2nd, two weeks after that. And the German language edition went on sale August thirtieth. Uh, they had to translate into German.
3: So lawyers. Uh, okay. And by the way, you call him on this program already a con man and a fraud. How, how concerned was the publisher that that they pull the lawyers in on this? Well, sure. Uh, this was vetted by a lawyer, and uh,
4: uh, one of the things I don't do in this book is I don't break new ground in it because I knew we had to get it lawyered quickly. So what I've done here is connected the dots and pulled together my work, the great Wayne Barrett's work, probably the best reporter who ever worked in New York City, uh, pieces elsewhere, and I have this enormous collection of Trump documents. Uh, I used to have to rent two storage lockers to hold my files on Donald Trump, Baron Hilton, the LAPD, Jack Welch, and some other people, and now I've mostly got them digitized. But uh, I had all these files, and so one of my grown children would sit in the other room. She created the files so they were logical for me. And after I was done with them and there's a mess, she would put everything back in order and put it away so we could get back to it when we needed it. And the lawyer, I I don't think the lawyer on this book changed more than 10 words. Uh, And I know that several times when he got to a prayer went, oh,
3: yep, wrong verb, fix that right now. Do you have any worries? Do you have have to have an insurance policy to protect you? Well, the publisher has an insurance policy.
4: Uh, If Don's going to sue me, he's going to sue me. I was actually surprised Donald said that to me because we've known each other. He knows I don't intimidate. He's tried to intimidate me in the past. I mean, I'm a guy who hunted down an especially vicious murderer in a black-on-white murder. Uh, I've run into a burning building. I mean, maybe I have a screw loose somewhere that I don't have a fear factor. In uh, uh, Mountain View, California. Why did you do that? Get a better picture. I also ran towards two buildings. People (laughs) were in, but they got out of them before I got there. Thank goodness. Uh, but, you know, you do what you need to do in your job, and my job is to tell people facts they wouldn't know but for my work. So, you know, I've been tailed by the LAPD, by the government in Taiwan, uh, or people connected with it. Um, I've had lots of people threaten me. You know, it, it's, it's my job, and you do what you need to do, or you don't do the kind of work that I do. So anyway, the, the lawyer changed very little in, in this book. Uh, on contrast to that. I wrote a piece for Politico magazine, that's what Donald called me about, which had nothing new in it. It simply pointed out a number, not all of them, of his connections to criminals, his business dealings with them, and his gratuitous connections with them. That is the most heavily lawyered piece of my career, with maybe one exception. And I've written stories accusing people of murder. You know, Jack Welch gave up his retirement benefits over a story I wrote, uh, and that lawyering told me that he's really been intimidating news organizations and threatening to sue them. And while they know that he can't win, he can cost them a lot of money.
3: The former CEO of, of GE, Jack Welch, did what? That uh, he gave up his retirement benefit? Um, Jack Welch
4: had a retirement package that was described in, to the investors only as Mr. Welch shall continue to receive those emoluments he had while serving the company. Uh, then he left his wife and uh She, a litigator, put into the public record enough information that I was able to show that he was going to get what I estimate to be about $70 million of the use of a GE jet, apartments, uh, ball game tickets and stuff, whether he used them or not. And I laid out the economics in particular of the corporate jet. And Welch then wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal relinquishing all of this and saying that some people who don't respect contracts... Um, I respect his contract, I just thought investors should know what they were actually paying Jack Welch. And I know from something he said to another journalist that he's furious at the mention of my name. He's entitled.
3: I cost him a lot of money. Back to Donald Trump. In the book you talk about an outfit called awards the Academy of Hospitality Services. <laughs> yes. The Academy of Hospitality Services. Or Sciences, I think. Um, this is an
4: organization run by a, a convicted art thief and mob associate uh, known as Joey Two Socks, uh, Joseph Sink. And it hands out what it says is the most prestigious award in the world. Not the most prestigious travel industry award, the most prestigious award in the world. It's the five-diamond award and the six-diamond award. And at least 19 Trump properties have these awards on big, huge plaques on the wall. And they're signed by Joey Tussocks. And they're also signed by the chairman of the board of the Academy, Donald J. Trump. Donald Trump gives awards to himself. And there are video on the Internet you can see of this. I mean, this is absurd, giving an award to yourself. It works. Well, apparently a lot of people think these are fabulous properties. I point out that a couple of his golf courses have awards, and yet if you look at the Golf uh, Digest or Golf Magazine, I forget which one list of the 100 best golf courses, no Trump golf courses on that list. What's he do well? Well, first and foremost, Donald is uh, uh, masterful at making himself a household name. I mean, you've been on television for years. You're not a household name, Brian, and neither really? am I. <laughs> but
0: Donald is a household name. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to stop this. The name of this is the secrets Donald Trump doesn't want you to know that's the name of it about business finances and marketing.